0: Hey guys, today I have something a little special for you. So I recorded this podcast with Ryan Leacock of the Creative People podcast. And what we've done is broken it into two parts, you to listen to and I'm really hopeful that some of the things I talk about with Ryan will resonate with you as well and help you understand why we do what we do. So um, what you're going to hear today is part one, it will stop and we will have the next episode up uh, here in a couple of days in in the next uh, podcast so you can listen to part two. I really hope that you like this sage advice I give Ryan as he is working through his creative journey and what I do in Design Suite to help my designers make money, be profitable, and feel success. So without further ado, here we go. Part one of the episode I did with Ryan Leacock on the Creative People podcast.
1: Thank you for being patient.
0: (laughs) Oh, no worries at all. Podcasting to me, it's like my... Like, just like, like, you know, I don't even have any questions prepared. I'm like, we're just putting out a podcast. Good luck, you know?
1: (laughs) I love that. And it's like, I don't know, sometimes you got to prepare and then other times it's just like, let's just jump in, right?
0: I know. Well, I mean, I just figured it would be me getting to know you anyway, which is what you do on a podcast. Yeah, exactly. People are just getting to know whoever your guest is and seeing what they're up to and how they're building their business. So
1: totally. So whenever you're ready, I'm going to have you introduce yourself and you're going to tell everyone what you do. And then we're just going to kind of roll into it from there. And uh, yeah, so whenever you're ready, go for it.
0: I'm Karina Gardner. I have a PhD in design and I was the creative director of a scrapbooking company. Now I am a fabric and paper designer and own a program called design suite, where I am teaching women who are in their encore stage of life, how to create design businesses. We're one of the few programs out there that not just, we don't just teach design. We teach women how to make money as designers.
1: Nice. Making money. That's the, that's, that's a sweet spot.
0: It is a sweet spot.
1: So for you, you said that you have a PhD for design. When did this whole creativity thing start for you?
0: You know, it's so funny because I actually started in marketing and business. That was my my undergrad degree. Yeah. But found really really like early on how frustrated I was because mm. I couldn't control the visuals. So mm. like I would be working on an advertisement or a print ad and then like you'd have to have a designer do it, or I would have to figure it out. And I didn't understand the software. Mm -hmm. And so I went and got a master's in design simply to bridge that gap of knowledge. Well, of course, you know what happens? Like design was way more fun than (laughs) doing anything in marketing or business. And so I dug in there, got a design degree for my master's degree. And then uh, found out I didn't have that much left to finish a PhD other than a dissertation. No one tells you like, but the dissertation will take you three years. <laughs> so I, I went ahead and did a doctorate with full intent of being a university professor. And yeah. I did teach at the university of Minnesota for five years before I started my own design business.
1: Nice. What about when you were younger? What, were you a creative kid?
0: Yeah, I absolutely was. Yeah, I would Say I was like the most amazing drawer or the most amazing writer. Like I, I was kind of just a dabbler. I was definitely the kid who was breaking my mom's sewing machine, making Barbie clothes, and like yeah, taking yeah. the scraps. Um, but you know, as I look back, what's so fascinating is that little sewing room. It was this little tiny. I mean, it was maybe. I mean, we're talking small, like four foot by five foot room. It was tiny but it was completely covered with my mom's canvases because she's a painter. Mm-hmm. And I think that without even knowing it, she was influencing kind of all the creativity that was happening in the house. Cause we were all always dabbling, always drawing, always. And she is still, I mean, she still sends me watercolors. She sends birthday cards to my kids and they all have watercolors that she has, you know, then printed onto a card. She's done portraits of my children. And so I think that there was always room for being extremely creative in my house.
1: hmm I love that little room. Like, is that, and is that where the sewing machine was? Like, that
0: was the where the sewing machine oh, was. And it was like scrap of bags full of fabric and then canvases everywhere of half finished paintings. My mom was a half finisher. So <laughs> she, like all like there in particular. And I, I think it's gone now. I wish, I wish for anything that I had it in the childhood home that I grew up in, but there was a painting of me that she did when I was two half finished like she had done the oils and it had only gone halfway and Mm -hmm. it sat in that room the entire time I grew up it just on the floor
1: yeah I love those little rooms that like where you kind of discover creativity because it's like creativity is like magic a little bit you know it's like that excitement and it's like there's possibilities and then there's things that you didn't think about like and those little rooms like are like ground zero for that so I'm, I'm really when you said it I was like oh I love that
0: yeah, you know it's so funny because you would think you know the perfectly organized creative room with all the like stuff organized. You know, you see the rooms where it's sure. like the watercolors are out and the you know the papers stacked beautifully. I mean, even if you're on YouTube it, watching the the podcast we did, you know, behind me it's like really nice. It has like my fabric stacked up, yeah, and I used yeah. to have. You know, at the end of the day, the best rooms to get really creative in are the messy ones. Cause yeah. you're not afraid to continue making a mess.
1: Yeah. And like, until it's, until it's too messy, then you're like, yeah, oh, it's
0: until it's, messy. until you don't even have any space on the desk or whatever yeah. to do anything.
1: But then, you know what? Like cleaning can also be inspiring. Cause it's like, oh, it's a new space. It's a clean. So yeah. that's Isn't what I'm that relying great? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And kind of organizing that and feeling that right now, we're kind of going through a crazy clean streak at my house. I I have an assistant who has been slowly and surely we've been going through our house and organizing everything. And she, it's so funny just watching her. Cause I wish I was doing it. I, I wish I had the time to do it. Mm-hmm because I love organizing things. And she, she just, when I give her a new project, she's like, I'm so excited. Like she gets so excited about it. And I think that organization is just yet one other method of showing creativity. Like the way you organize things, are you doing it by color? Are you doing it by size? Are you laying it out in the boxes? It's just another way to kind of work your brain into, Mm -hmm. into showing or displaying what you have.
1: Well, and the thing about organization too is like it is a personal thing as well. So sometimes it's like if you decide to like organize them by color, that might have a different effect on you than doing it another way, you know? like So you're kind of setting the stage for creativity when you clean up your space and or organize it.
0: Yeah, isn't that funny? Both yeah. the chaotic and the organization piece.
1: Well, that's why creativity is the best. It's true. So what would you say is your deal? Like if if I just said, you know, What's your deal? What's like, what comes to mind when, when I say that?
0: Well, what I will tell you, if you had to asked me that about five years ago, I'd say I'm a fabric designer. Like mm-hmm. that's the thing people knew me for probably still know me for, because I would do all these quilting patterns, these quilting tutorials online. Um, if you talk to me right now, I think the thing that I'm well known for is teaching designers how to make money because it's just, it's, we're in a, such an interesting space where lots of people are learning how to be creative, but they don't know how to actually utilize it into something that will make a career for them. And a lot of it is because of focus. People don't realize that they need to focus a certain way. They don't understand how exponential growth works. I just lectured at BYU, Idaho at a university and talked to their entire art department. I I sat down with their faculty and, and talked them through a few things. And then I sat down and talked to their entire, I think it was like 200, 250 kids who were feeling completely and totally starved for information because they feel like everyone has told them, Oh, you're getting an art degree. Well, you better come up with another Thing to do because you're not going to make any money from your art, yeah. and yeah. that sort of like downward, like almost depression, like you can kind of feel the heaviness of people who are going through that, and and how much it affects their trajectory, right? And then the number of kids who don't go to art departments, they go into something else yeah. because they're they're scared that they won't ever be able to make money.
1: Mm-hmm. And like, it's funny that you bring this up because I recently. <laughs> like moved away from trying to make money with my creativity actually and I want to know your perspective because my perspective is like I want last year I worked for myself for a year and I and the thought was I can work for myself a lot more time to do stuff from like for my creativity and it was good for me when mm-hmm. I was saying before about sorting out some of my shit because now we're on my podcast so I gonna not a little it
0: I just, I told Brian, we don't curse on my, my <laughs> podcast, but it sounds like we can do all the cursing we want over here.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that explicit podcast is like baked in, but sometimes we're like talking to people. We don't swear, but the possibility is always there. But yeah, I had to figure out my own shit. And and what I've come to is like, I want, like there's, everyone has to find their spot. You know, some people, if you're an artist, some artists that you've got to focus on the art, I mean, I don't know. You might disagree. So I want to hear if you disagree. So my take is like, and I'm, and I think I have a little bit to, you know, I think I have, I I can say this with some experience. For me, when the money thing comes in, it distracts me. And it, and it's interesting you say about those kids who didn't even get into the arts program because they were told, oh, you can't make money with that. When I hear that, I think, well what when that when that kid's forty, if there was a creative person inside of them and they never got to come out, they might be miserable. maybe if they made maybe they made the money that they wanted to make, but they're miserable because maybe not all of them, but if if you have something inside of you that wants to come out and you want to create and you don't do that, I think you're gonna be a miserable person.
0: Ryan, you have talked about, you're talking about every person who enters my program. My, my demographic is women between the ages of 45 to 55, and they all didn't, either they didn't do a degree in some kind of art field, yep. or they did and then left it behind and ended up in HR or PR or whatever else. And they, they've they circled back around and they go, life is too short. Yep. And they come into my program going, how do I make money? Now, here's the thing. I don't actually disagree with you, but I do think one of the perspectives that's so difficult with artists in general is that we're really good at making the art part. We're not very good at the sales part. So the part that really we have to emphasize is the sales part because it's the hardest thing to learn and to make sure we're good at. The other thing that I think the people who come into my program anyway, and, and when I talk about design on my podcast and I talk about running a business is that. The expectations are not there for how long it takes to build a business. I mean, you said you did it for a year. I think the minimum is three years. Like you have to do something full time for at least three years. And this is not even an art thing. This is a business thing. All businesses that I have ever built, that I've ever run, take at least three years to kind of hit a certain achievement level in order to really make it happen. The second is that most people don't realize how much effort it takes. So they think they're putting in a lot of effort. You know, I'll have someone come talk to me and say, well, I've been designing patterns and I've got 200 and they will with all like it in their heart be like, I have created so many patterns Mm -hmm. and I will say to them, well, I have 10,000 And that's how I make money. So usually there is a gap in understanding really the amount of effort needed in order Mm -hmm. to create what you need to create. And so because of that, I find that creatives need that focus. They need someone to help them create that focus because the business piece isn't very exciting. It's a lot of doing the work. We talked about this on my podcast, the consistency over and over again. And so if we can figure that out and we can do it over long periods of time everyone can win. That's the thing I find every single time is my, my designers can be creative as long as they're willing to also do the work. That's not very exciting.
1: Yeah. And you have to make that decision. I'm glad that you, and I'm glad that you're doing this. I was just talking to someone and she was saying she knows very few people who can have the artistic mindset and the business mindset and they're different. And she hardly knows anyone. And I was like, well, I don't have the business mindset because she was like, do you have any business advice? And I was like, don't quit your day job.
0: (laughs) Which, you know what? You shouldn't quit your day job in the first year of any new business, not even a creative business, but like any new business that you create, you know, I have, so I didn't even say this in my intro, but I've owned a a physical products company as well. And we did, we were, we did these little mini coloring books. We actually still do them. And we did clothing and we did a few other things. And that, that company, by anyone who was looking on the outside, anyone would have been like, that looks like the most successful company ever. We had deals with Nordstrom. We were in 500 independent toy stores. We had museums. Mm-hmm. And I was miserable mm-hmm. because our margins were so small. Like a company like that, your margins are so small and you aren't doing creative stuff. Mm-hmm. You're spending all your time doing business stuff, mm-hmm. shipping, wholesaling, yeah. getting everything out there, getting the right sales reps, attending shows, paying for inventory. So it's a totally different deal. Everybody gets excited and thinks they want to build their own company where there's physical products. And I am here to tell you, it's not as sexy or as cool as you think it is.
1: <laughs> no, it's just boring. Even with my little zine that I just made, like just getting, shipping them out. Like it was like, this is so much work. And like, and I'm so yeah, I totally hear you and I'm I really mean it. I'm really glad that there's people out there like you and that you're doing this because I know like if some people, I I don't think it's good for them to think about making money. I think some people, if you're like an artist, artist and you have a you sometimes you have to be ahead of the curve and that might not sell. But if you have that work in you that you need to make, I think but for people who aren't that and I wouldn't consider myself in that c- category, but I know that creatives, like we make stuff that's that's so interesting. You're like, what? Well, what do I do with it now? Like, what do I do now? I can, and you know, I've focused a lot of my time in my podcast of like on the creative people getting healthy, not, not, you know, all the creative people stuff, but the business stuff, I'm just like, I don't know, know man.
0: Well, but here's the thing don't you think we live in a day and age because if I had taught what I teach 15 years ago when I first got started, it would have been almost impossible. I couldn't have told everyone, hey all of you can make money but there are so many ways to make money now and I don't personally teach like social platform um mm-hmm. like making money but I was just thinking the other day so my daughter is an animator she's in yeah. animation school.
1: oh that's okay so cool. and
0: and I was, I was on Instagram and I found this feed where it's a blob that gets animated every day. And it tells you happy, lovely things. It has like 3 million followers on it. Okay. And I guarantee that this person is monetizing in some way, shape or form Mm. doing animation on Instagram. Think Mm. about YouTube. I think about like the piano guys or Jenny Doan, who's the like the quilting queen, basically. And they've taken these things and they've been creatively doing all these things on YouTube and they're monetizing. And Mm. while I don't teach that specific thing, that's just a couple of examples of how creatives can go out of their way if they're willing to do the work and stay in their lane to become really profitable in Mm. a creative business.
1: Well, maybe we should talk a little bit more. I need some tips. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'm just saying what I see out there. And here's the other thing I think that is that happens in the creative world because we're all our own little units and we're not reaching out and building community and networks. That's part of the reason I built my program because we have a huge community. So everybody's asking everyone what they're doing, what they're working on, what shops they're in and all of that, Mm
1: -hmm. because
0: most of us are alone. And I was alone for many years doing it by myself. What happens is you don't even know what's possible. Mm. Like you, like when I started joining masterminds and talking to people and I talked to someone, they were like, oh yeah, I have a side gig where I make an extra 50,000 off YouTube. Oh yeah. I make an extra, you know, a hundred bucks, 200 bucks off Instagram. Oh yeah. I'm making an extra hundred thousand from affiliate links. And this is how we're doing it. Once you start seeing the possibilities open up, you're like, okay, what is the right formula for me? right? As a yeah. creative, you just need to figure out what that formula is. And if you can build that formula for you, then it's like so amazing. Cause it's like a creative process in and of itself. Cause you, like for me, like Instagram is never where I'm going to make money. I make a little bit of money from, you know, whatever the reels bonuses or whatever, but it's just not where I'm going to make money. However, mm-hmm. we do make money off of YouTube. And we actually just recently are coming off of a series that we're doing called Garden Hill, which is my short-term rentals, where we're showing people how we take my wallpaper, how I design them, and we show them how to put it into a short-term rental and all the considerations we have. And their short episodes are like six to eight minute episodes, but we know that YouTube is a great longstanding thing for us that will make us money. So I think kind of figuring out kind of your avenues yeah. as a creative and, and what you want to stick to, I think it's really powerful.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of creative people like, and I know I've certainly felt this way. It's like when you even think about, you know, going on, like trying to do something that's going to make you money, you think I'm going to have to change myself or adapt. And what I just heard you say is like, find your, find the thing that is already in line with what you're doing. That's natural. And then find, and then kind of open up their possible, open up their mind to the possibilities of, you know, revenue. (laughs)
0: Yeah. It it is really, truly just kind of doing what you already like. So let me give you a great example. We just had someone come into the program who is a science teacher. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, I've been wanting to get my hands on a science teacher who wants to be (laughs) a designer like nobody else. Cause I went to this BYU, Idaho thing. And I had several people who were teachers or wanting to become teachers, come up and talk to me. And they said, this thing that you do, I do these huge, crazy, uh, we call them like ultimate projects and they're made out of paper and we sell the digital file. That's where we make the money. We don't make them for people with selling the digital file and it's called an SVG file or a die cut file. So I, I had brought these like big things and I had several teachers come up and said, Oh my gosh, will you make like solar systems? We need them in, in classrooms or we need like science things. And then lo and behold, the science teacher comes into my, my program. And I said, listen, I just literally last week talked to a group of people and they are desperate for science things in the SVG realm. Will you make them? She was like, oh, I am so all about this. Oh, I love that. You know, and so it's just kind of like having someone kind of direct you. Like if you already know, I want to be a designer, I want to bring something creative to the world. I'm really good at this other thing. And for her, it's great science.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. So how do we meld those together to create your like magic, creative yeah. mojo
1: yeah I love that I just read a quote I'm reading the Rick Rubin book, uh, a creative life or something like that and he says like look for the thing that you notice that no one else notices and that's what you just said like you just heard about there's this lack of design for science and all that and I love that story that's great
0: yeah it's it's you know what it's really fun because I talk to so many, I probably talk to thousands of designers every single year and just being able to like dig into individual designers and see what they're like. Everyone is different. It's so crazy how unique everyone is. Yes. They might be really interested in creating a surface pattern or a fabric, but it's like, they come at it at such a different angle than anybody else.
1: Yeah. What would you say to the kid that is in that four by five room if like what would that kid first of all what would that kid think about your life right now
0: I think they would have been in total disbelief honestly yeah three years ago, I don't know if I would have believed that my life is currently what it is. We actually, my programs only two, we just hit our two year anniversary and built a team of 11 people working in it. We're growing even faster. And it's just because we found this gap, right? Like where people didn't know how to make money and we're teaching them how to run a business and how to, how to build a real, real, real company. And that, I would have never guessed that this is, I thought I was going to be a university professor. I thought I'd be doing research papers. I I have all this research out there on short-term memory. That was, and short-term memory loss and logos. And so, you know, it's like, I have all this scientific background and yet here I am advising people on how to make money the way I've made money over the years. Mm. And it's, I will say. I think I held myself back from it for many years because I was afraid of the criticism. I was afraid mm. that I couldn't do it. And then on the opposite end of that, being able to watch these women, we were mostly a, a woman-based program. We have like one guy in it, mm. <laughs> but watching all of these women make money, make sales, watching them, like they'll post in the community, they'll be like I made seven cells. I went camping last night and I came home and there were seven cells sitting in my cart, you know, like that people had bought or Mm -hmm. saying like, I hit this number. I never thought I could hit this number. And that is so, I mean, it lights me up in a bigger way than I had any idea it could light me up. I thought my life was going to be devoted to designing fabric lines and designing wallpaper and designing, you know, SVG files. And as it turns out, this lights me up far more than even doing my own work.
1: Because oh, I, love I that. feel
0: like I'm changing real, real lives.
1: Yeah. When did you decide to go for it? Like, what was, was there, a, was there like an inciting incident that was like, okay, I'm doing it?
0: No, I think there was a general feeling of boredom
1: because <laughs> what
0: happened was, you know, I had owned my business for about 13 years mm-hmm. and I was finding myself just stretching, stretch. I mean, when you have 10,000 designs in any one category, which is what I have, I just was like, what is next? Mm-hmm. And I started building these ultimate projects because I was bored. I was like, I'm just going to go crazy. We're going to do some crazy big things. And and then I, for years, I've had people asked to do internships with me and all these different things. And I I'd never really take them. I was just, you know, and I kind of just started thinking about, you know, if I were someone who had gotten past where I was, and I hadn't been able to monetize and I hadn't been able to take my art and do something with it, you know, what would my life look like? Mm-hmm. And I, I just really thought if I start a program and it looks different than it did back then, cause I was just trying to figure the whole thing out. Yeah, um, it, it kind of, it kind of hit me. Like I could really help people like do the exact same thing I did. Yeah. Cause it's not that hard. It's <laughs> just doing boring work and most people don't want to do it.
1: Yeah, well, and it it does seem that hard because, again, it was like you were saying before, as a creative person who doesn't make that much money from what I do, it's hard to think about the possibilities because it's also funner to think about other possibilities in, you know, oh, I have this project that I'm working on. I'm working, you know, I listed them already, but it takes someone who'd be like, actually, just if you just turn your focus over here, you'll yeah. notice this. How about you just focus on that a little bit? I think that's great.
0: Yeah, and they, I mean, they call me almost the tyrannical because in our program I'm like, six months, you may not do anything else. Like, this is it. You may (laughs) not deviate. And those that do deviate, I mean, they do. And I'm like, just know this doesn't count towards your three years like of business. Like this has to be pretty succinct. And the ones who follow, and it's so interesting because they'll be like, You know, someone will come and be like, I hit $1,000 this month. I hit $1,500 this month, you know, four months in. And I'll be like, that's amazing. And everyone will be like, what did you do? And she'll be like, I just did what Karina told me to do. And it's like, (laughs) literally the easiest thing, which is just stay in your lane, do the same thing over and over again. And then really build your creativity from that over and over. Cause you're still building unique things. You're still creating new artwork. You just have to kind of keep yourself in the same. You can't go from being an SVG designer to a fabric designer, to being a, you know, a sawgrass sublimation designer. Like when you start jumping around, that's where we, where that's where we see issues.